Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown Series 3, Episode number 4. I'm Jamie Ward and today we are back at Matchroom HQ in Brentwood, Essex and here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Connor Ben goes over the best thing to happen in boxing last week. I think we all know where that one's going. Ellie Scottney talks from where her journey began in East London, where funds injected from Matchroom have helped save Britain's oldest amateur club. Mike Costello recalls an intimidating challenge with Iron Mike Tyson. Ben Davison picks his dream dinner party lineup. That's coming up in Food Fight. And Kieran Conway takes on the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz. All coming up on today's show, so don't go anywhere. Well, it's that time of the show once again. The best thing to happen in boxing last week and who better to bring in to Matchroom HQ on this sunny morning than Mr. Connor Ben. Connor, welcome. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm great, mate. How are you? Very well. Um, For those who don't know, we were just talking before we started there about the condition that you guys are in. You were on the the sprints earlier this morning. Was it 400 metres you were doing? Yeah, eight, 400 metres, yeah. How much of an impact? Because I was up at the crack of dawn the other day on the, on the hills. Uh, yeah, yeah. I must stress watching you guys doing the hill sprints, but brutal training. When, when you really do strip it back, how important is that work that you guys do put in behind the scenes in those early morning sessions? Well, champions are made in the gym. You know, it's, um, it's just constant hard work and, and dedication, but it's also the team that you have around you bringing out the best in you. It's also the accountability to the trainer as well. You know, I'm accountable to, to Tony with everything I do. From my sprint times to my sparring to um, my long road work to my diet, there's accountability there, so it keeps you honest. Um, you know, rather than training on your own and doing runs by your own standard, you have a team that's pushing you, you know, a whole squad that's, you know, trying to hit PBs. We're all on the same mission, we're all on the same goal. But also, Tony doesn't let us slack at all. Um, you know, so we make sure we hit the numbers we need to hit, if not better. It strikes me that some part of you enjoys it. You enjoy getting up in the middle of the night. Tony was saying to me when I was down the gym the other day that at one point in camp you decided you wanted to do your runs at three in the morning, which I don't think I he was. Do. I don't think he was over the moon about that. No, but <laughs> I just feel like I just feel like it sets you apart from the rest. I don't know anyone that does runs at three in the morning. Um, so for me, it's more of a mental toughness, men- mental endurance. Um, you know, discipline, work ethic. I'm making it as hard for me as I possibly can. You know, my body don't want to do the training I'm doing. My body doesn't want to get up at three in the morning, but it's the mindset behind it. And that mindset and that discipline, that work ethic, you carry into the ring. So for me, that's where, that's why I do what I do. It's not, does it make sense? Does it help with anything apart from gaining mental strength? I feel like, you know, the boxing game is... You know, mostly mental. If you can master that, you can master anything. The gym is absolutely flying at the moment. You talk there about the the dynamic that you guys have pushing each other on. One man who was in competition with you, I think, on the hills yesterday is is, is Jordan Thompson. Massive opportunity for him. But why has he been a good addition to the gym? And, and why do you believe this is a, a fight he can win as well? Not everyone c- makes the cut for the gym. I just got to make that clear. Like, There's been people who have had to go. There's been people telling me he's let go. There's been people that there's just been a direct no. You know, so the matchroom stable really is cut from a different cloth. You know, we're 15 round fighters in that gym. I believe he comes world champion on September 30th, Jordan Thompson? Yeah, definitely. I do. I believe he's 
well, he's genetically gifted. He's his athleticism is is second to none. So he has the basics there already to be a world champion. But then when you see the work ethic he puts in, himself getting up at what half five, five in the morning to get to the gym to train to do early morning sprints, to then stay at the gym, sleep at the gym, then spar, and then you know making sure the diet's done right. Like they all the all the eyes are dotted and all the t's are crossed. But in sparring, when you watch him move, I, can't, I don't think there's any many fighters out there that weight that fights like he fights. He's got dynamite in both hands. You know, he's rapid. His reactions are on point. You know, his counter punches. You know, his accuracy. There's a whole list of of attributes that that go on that makes me believe he'll win the world title. Just good at everything. One of them. One of them people. I he bet he'd be good on five aside. I reckon he'd be just, decent. He's just. He's just one of them guys. Plays tennis as well. Yeah, mad tennis. You know, for a guy his size as well. Nice. He's just one of them guys. You know, just naturally God gifted. Um, you know, so he'll he'll use that that God gifted talent to to bring on the world title. Best looking in the gym as well. He says. Um, I mean. That's up for debate. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do a poll on that. Just a few good, uh, we, can, we can do a poll. Make sure you get the one where I'm in GQ and men's health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Joe Cordina's on the phone. Hang on. No, I'm not really. And young Maisie Rose, she was out on the hill with you guys as well. She's, she's in action very soon and, and looking exciting as a professional. But Con, you play an important role. Your, the, the CB logo is on her fight trunks. Yeah. Talk to us about your role because Maisie speaks incredibly fondly of you for, for the impact you've had on, on what she's been able to do as a professional so far. Why did you take that upon yourself to do what you did? Uh, because she's got her own story that she'll tell when in her own time. She's got an amazing story. She, she was born a fighter. and I've, Everyone needs a leg up in life at some stage, you know, including myself when I first moved here. I relied on sponsorship. I relied on close people around me to help me. And, you know, that's why I'm able to get where I'm now without sponsors um, being able to, to help me. And people go, well, why, what, your dad was two-time world champion. Why didn't, my dad never, he never just gave me money. You know, so it, I relied on sponsors for money. And so I know how much it means to a fighter coming through. You know, and I, I helped Maisie throughout her whole career. You know, I wouldn't even go, uh, I mean... I wouldn't say I'm a sponsor, I'd say I'm a friend. You know, um, someone who just wants the best for her, someone who wants her to achieve her full potential. You know, again, someone who makes extreme sacrifices. A young girl coming all the way from South London to Brentwood every day, you know, every single day, having to work as well, having to get up early in the morning to get the train to, and not miss sessions. Like, you, that discipline, you can't just teach anyone. You've either got it in you or you haven't. No, I think it's great. I think it's great that you're able to help her out financially and also that you don't shout and scream about it. I mean, you've only mentioned it, she only mentioned it because I asked her about it. So I think you deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, it's not, I don't do it for that. I don't do it for clout. No, but you deserve, you deserve a lot of respect for that. I appreciate that. Thank I you. think it's the things that go on behind the scenes that sometimes are the nicest stories I mean, to tell. Don't that, get me wrong, I've been in the greatest position myself. <laughs> do you know what I mean? For the past yeah. year and a half. But for me, it's, I know how much it means to Maze. So for me, I'd have to be... I'd always, I'll always help me. No matter what situation I'm in, I know how much it means to her. So, you know, if it takes the stress off her and it, take, and it makes her able to just focus on training and helps her, even, you know, 0.5%, 1%, whatever it is, I'm glad I can help. Rob Anglesey says the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Chris Eubank battering Liam Smith from Pillar to Post. Well, Chris avenged his defeat. Um, you put it on your Instagram straight after, as did uh, Mr. Eddie Hearn, the, the trailer which captivated the nation, didn't it, before the, the original scheduled doubt, but date rather. But you weren't impressed, Connor. Why was that? I wasn't impressed at all. If I got a wounded fighter in there, they aren't seeing 10 rounds. If his ankles were gone from the second round, he ain't seeing 10 rounds. 
whoever, whoever I'm fighting, I will get rid of them within that round. I'll spot a weakness and I'll, I'll capitalize on it within instantly. You know, as I said, I see an eye twitch. I see a little little shimmy. I'm on, I'm on them like a rash, you know. So for me, it wasn't impressive, you know. What, 33 punches he threw, he landed. I'll, th- I'll throw, what, 50 punches around. Yeah, it wasn't impressive at all. It made him look look good, but, you know, he got lucky. And that's all that is, is he just, he just got lucky on that. Fa- thankfully, he, he got the win. Otherwise, his career would have been curtains. Well, were you, you were ringside, of course. And I know you said you had a great reception as well, which is good to hear. But when you were watching, was there a little bit of nerves that the same might have happened that happened in the first fight? And essentially, I guess, even though the fight would have still been there, perhaps didn't quite carry the same way. What was going through your head when that first bell rang? No, I I didn't care. I wouldn't care if he got if he got banged out or. Would you not though? No, not at all. No. Really? No. No. Why not though? Does the fight not carry the same way? Was it personal? Listen, the the fight's inevitable. Yeah, the fight's you know like ten times bigger now. But um, I genuinely thought Smith was going to win that fight. Unfortunately, it wasn't Smith's night. Didn't look at the races. You know, he obviously suffered injured, which is why he pulled out the first fight. So. Yeah, I'd say Eubank just got lucky. He didn't look great to me. Didn't look great to me. If you can't dispatch someone who's wounded and not throwing 33 punches, a fight, what's that, three punches around, and you don't get rid of them, that is pathetic. I don't care what you say. Like, I rate Smith. Smith's a great fighter. But he weren't Smith on the night. Someone who throws three punches around and you don't get him out of there, it's pathetic. In terms of when we could see this fight, December's been talked about, stadiums have been talked about. In your mind, is that a foregone conclusion that we see it this year? It's not down to me. I'm ready to fight any man, any time, anywhere. Uh, it really doesn't concern me, like, at all in the slightest. Like, I, I train for whenever. You know, I don't have to get ready. I'm always ready. So anyone that they put in front of me, no problem. Like, it don't, it don't bother me. Whoever, one, like, 160, I'll go back up to 160. My next fight can be at 151, 147 even. I still got up to 160, smoke Eubank and drop back down. The talk of December 2nd, potentially a stadium. I will jump up to 160, smoke Eubank and drop back down to 147. Do you think the agreed catch weight will need to change or like you say, you're happy, 160? 160. What was the, what was the original one? Was it 157? I don't want no excuses. I don't want no excuses at all. Rehydration clauses, no, nothing. 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 I don't want no rehydration clause. Because when I smoke him, what's he going to do then? What's he going to say then? You know, like, I'm tired of him in a way he's carrying on the name first. I want this first. I want that first. I want the ring walk second. Who cares? Come in at whatever weight you want. A fight's a fight. Pretty excited for this one, Scott. Just a little bit, mate. I think um, the numbers of the, the, the fight that didn't happen were there to be seen. And I they think were, it's They huge. were off the, off the chart. And now it's arguably even bigger. So... Fingers I mean, that's if, it, that's if Eubank wants it. Because, again, if he loses to me, where else does he go? I think he wants it. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, we've both got options. You know, I've got Kelbrook. You've got Taylor. You have um, you have the world title eliminators. I you think... Know, and there's you, options for him as well. You'll agree the fans just want this, though. This is yeah, the only thing I want to see. I'm, I'm easy to deal with. Just give me an 18-foot ring. That was all I put in the last contract. Just give me an 18-foot ring. And that was, that was it. The rehydration clause, I didn't really care about. The weight I didn't really care about. Ring walk first, ring walk second, Eubank Ben, Ben you. I don't care. Just give me an 18 foot ring. Mouthwatering stuff. Ready to crush it? Ask Tony. Just ask Tony, eh? <laughs> well, ben, uh, what a pleasure, mate. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, we look forward to seeing you back in the ring hopefully very, very, very soon. Top man. Pleasure, bro. Cheers, Thank mate. you.
Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by IBF World Super Bantamweight Champion Ellie Scottney. Ellie, there's a big smile on your face today. Can you tell the listeners where we are and why this is a very special day for you and this club as well? Yeah, we're, we're in, I always say it's my home for my home, so it's the first boxing gym I ever walked into and it's the Lynn Athletic Boxing Club and we're here to, well, Matt Truma going to save the day. So Matt Truma putting up £10,000, um, hopefully the first of many clubs that we're going to be hoping, uh, helping around the country. What sort of impact would you say that this club had on Ellie Scottney going on to become the world champion that she is now? Do you know what? I, I laugh because it just gives me that sort of feel. It's a warm feel. Like I'm looking at the gym, I'm sitting opposite the ring that I had my first sparring, and I remember it like anything. I had this pink pug vest on, and I was sparring a boy, and I must have been about three foot, if that, and about <laughs> 40 kilo. I was a little tank. But when I say it, generally, it, it opened my eyes, and it, it definitely, you know, opened my heart to, to this sort of life for me. And, when I look at what it done for me, but when you look at outside of it, we're in a deprived area and you know what crime is around Peckham. So for what it did to me compared to what it's done for lives and take away boxing from it, but it's generally got people off the streets and, and saved lives, it generally has. In terms of saving lives, I know you come from a very big family, yes. many siblings, but how much was, was this Jim Ellie and this club always very much a, a safe haven for you in many ways? It was, it, like I said, I walked from one door, come in this, and it was like I walked through my own front door. My, my cousin's still a coach down here today, and he's even when I took over, he says, come, we'll go up the gym, and sometimes he opens it, and it's always been a big part of my family, and I generally felt like, as big as my family is, it was even bigger when I stepped through these doors. A lot of great fighters have, have graced these walls, Richard Riappour, Chris Congo, Daniel Dubois, Ellie Scottney, just to name a few, and the great Mike Costello as well, who, who's joining us today. But for you to bring this IBF World Championship belt here today, when you think about where you started and the journey you've been on, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's, it's overwhelming, you know, you even had Wayne Alexander and he's famous for that knockout win. So, yeah, it's had so many greats in, but to walk through the gym now as an IBF world champion, have the belt to show. Like, I remember winning my first national title and I couldn't wait to get to the gym on the Monday, having boxed on the Sunday. So, it, it's real special, you know, to, to know this was my grounding place and to bring it back here is special. And with the refurb that's going to get done, how exciting is it for you to continue to be an ambassador for Lynn and keep an eye out for, for the next crop of talent that are going to be coming through as well, looking to follow in your footsteps? Yeah, no, for sure. It's a special place. And I hear the stories from my cousin of how many people are walking through the doors and they've got this talent. So to know that this place that I call home is going to be refurbed and give life again, it's exciting to see what's going to come from it. We've no sooner won the belt, now you're defending it. Uh, just in terms of that, because I always speak to fighters about the mindset, the motivation to become world champion and how it then changes when you do win the belt. How is the mindset of Ellie Scott heading into a first defence? My mindset doesn't change, you know. I'm going in there to, to win my belt. That's how I look at it. It's not, of course, you've got a different level of pressure, but it's, I'm there to cement as, you know, the number one super brand of the world. And these are the fights that you know, get me on the way to where I want to be. So I wanted momentum and that's what they're giving me. So it's time for me to put on a show on September the 30th. Laura Griffer, the opponent. In terms of the game plan, I know you're not going to be able to give too much away, but I know Shane and the team are very, very astute. They don't miss anything. No stone is ever left unturned. What sort of challenge do you believe lies in front of you on September 30th? Yeah, she's game. You know, this is her lottery ticket. She's come with everything. She's had a world title shot before and this is her second one. So, you know, I know she's going to leave no stone unturned and that's why I've made sure I haven't. So, stylistically, I think it'll be a great fight. I've got to be smart.
and you know I always tend to get dragged in but you know she's going to be in front of me all night and I've got to make sure that I'm coming out as, as still the world champion We always talk about your self-belief yeah. and it's growing in front of camera it's growing behind camera it's growing in the ring every time we, we spend a bit of time together now you have that belt and you've ticked that huge box what also has that done for you mentally knowing that you belong on the biggest of stages yeah you know from when I turned over you had the words like your tips I knew what I could do but you don't until you've got that next to your name half of you's like oh am I am I so you know that's cemented now but it's about cementing a legacy so I've only just got started so there's a lot more I've got to do when you did win that belt against Shanika Johnson, I know it was such a special night for you. You're going back to Wembley Arena, of course, where you had that crowning night, which is going to be great as well. At the time, you couldn't really put it into words, but when you, when you do reflect on that night now, what sort of emotions go through your mind? Do you know, everyone always says that. I don't feel like I put words, but I know how it feels. So even when you're saying it back to me, I can feel the same moment when my hand did get raised. It, it was a special night, and it, it was a special night for so many reasons. So to go back to the same place that I was crowned world champion, it, it's everything for me. I couldn't have asked for more. And very recently, I've seen you've been on the pitch at Crystal Palace. <laughs> For someone who used to be shy and didn't like doing interviews, walking out in front of a packed Premier League stadium, how was that? Oh, it was surreal, you know, they didn't take me off the bench too early, so it was magic. I went out, it was the second time I've actually walked onto the pitch, but the reception, it, it got me a bit like, whoa, like if you can see by the picture, I was a bit <laughs> goofy smile, but I was shocked. I was shocked at the reception, it was special, and yeah, what a place to be. In your post-fight interview, Ellie, when we when you won the belt, we gave a very special shout out to a very special person, your, your, your grandmother Eileen, who very sadly did pass away recently. I know the strength that you had from your nan when you were able to spend so much time with her, making great memories. In terms of the strength you're taking into this fight now, how, how motivated are you to, to make her proud in this defence? You know, she was she was my lifeline. I tell everyone that a minute I can get a chance to talk about my nan, I do. So I call her my little superpower now. So the magic she gave me on earth, imagine what she can do from the heavens. So every fight was always dedicated to my nan. So going forward, I made her more promises. So I've got a lot of work to do. So September the 30th, she's got the best seating of the whole place. So I just got to make sure it's worthwhile for her. July the 30th, 2004, Louisville, Kentucky, and the night that Danny Williams beat Mike Tyson. And this came to mind because the Lynn Amateur Club in South East London has hit on hard times just recently. It was there that I boxed as a kid, and so did Danny Williams. And so that fight week in Louisville, the childhood home of Muhammad Ali, became a memory that neither of us would ever forget. Mike Tyson was 38 at the time. He'd lost to Lennox Lewis a couple of years earlier, but the omens for Williams weren't that great going in because earlier that year, 2004, he'd lost his British title in a rematch against Michael Sprott. So little wonder that the bookmakers priced him at 12 to 1 to beat Mike Tyson. We're going back almost 20 years now and not all big fight weeks back then included an open workout in front of the public which is customary these days but there was one in Louisville it was on the Tuesday in a huge shopping and entertainment complex called 4th Street Live which was off a street called Muhammad Ali Boulevard. And the people crammed the streets, the concourses, the escalators, the stairways, everywhere just to get a glimpse of Mike Tyson in particular. And the crowds were so diverse from so many backgrounds. And what struck me, given Tyson's rape conviction a decade earlier, was how many women were holding up penance with the message, We Love Mike. 
and we interviewed one of them later on and she said simply that they were ready to show forgiveness. And later in the week, after the weigh-in, which was on the Thursday, I took a cab with Steve Bunce out to what was once the home of Muhammad Ali, number 3302 Grand Avenue. It was in the west end of the city where Ali lived in the days when he won the Olympic gold medal in 1960 and when he was still known as Cassius Clay. And as a young reporter in the days pre-internet, I was always told that if you really want to feel the heartbeat of a city, then you talk to a taxi driver. And although by that year, 2004, the online world was flourishing, it was long before widespread use of the likes of Twitter or YouTube or any of those kind of platforms. And so our taxi driver, who was also called Steve, gave us precious insight into life in Louisville then and before. He was around the same age as Ali and he was so evocative in recalling what it was like growing up as a black kid in Louisville in the 60s and 70s. And so powerful was he, in fact, with his words that I recorded an interview with him, which I used years later around the time of Ali's death for a special documentary. And when we got there to Ali's old family home, we met up with his brother, Rahman Ali, who had also changed his name, in his case, from Rudy Clay. And he idolised his big brother and told us stories of how they played marbles as kids on the very concrete porchway where we were standing and talking about those old times. And Rachman had asked for $100 for the interview beforehand, which is standard practice in our game. But when he turned up, he was in a huge... SUV surrounded by a few mates and he said that we'd agreed $200. We hadn't but I took it on the chin and gave him the extra dosh but it left just a slightly sour taste about that really special occasion. Fight night was on the Friday at Freedom Hall where Ali had made his pro debut back in 1960 and it was a sellout 17,000 in the crowd, all roaring for Mike Tyson at different stages during the evening. Tyson was trained at the time by Freddie Roach, and for the first round against Danny Williams, he looked really sharp. I'm not going to exaggerate and say it was like the raging, explosive young Tyson of the mid-1980s, but certainly he looked like the Tyson of the mid-1990s for at least those three minutes before he weakened. And in Danny's corner was Jim McDonnell, And me and Jim go back a long way. We've got a special bond because we boxed each other as amateurs in London and he beat me on points. For each of us, it was our first senior contest. We'd just turned 17. And Jim humours me to this day by saying that he remembers it well, despite all the many successes he had later on in his career. And when we were together in Louisville, Jim told me during fight week that it would be foolish for him to prepare Danny for the best version of Mike Tyson because that man no longer existed. And Jim was convinced that Tyson would tire quickly. So if Danny could just weather those early attacks, he'd have a great chance. And how right Jim was. It was like he'd scripted the fight beforehand. And what's overlooked because of the scale of the upset is that it was actually a cracking heavyweight fight. If you get a chance, go back and have a look. And Danny was badly hurt in the first round. He had points deducted in the third and then came back to win in the fourth. But even in that round, Danny took a couple of crunching right hands from Tyson before unleashing an attack that left Tyson sat on his trunks up against the ropes. A real sad sight for such a former 
great. Not quite Buster Douglas proportions in terms of the upset, but monumental all the same. And the following morning, which was the Saturday, Danny and Jim came up to my hotel room and we all went live on various programmes across BBC Radio because it was such a massive story that stretched beyond sport and all created by a boy from my old club who was coached by a bloke I'd boxed. What a special, special memory. Well, Scott, back at Matram HQ once again, and the weather is sensational. Too hot for me, mate. It is hot. I don't know if we've actually ever said this. So the, the boxing office at Matram HQ, we're in the old converted stables. Of course, if everyone knows, we are in the family home of uh, Barry Hearn, which Eddie actually grew up in, but it's warm in here. Well, big week in boxing. So much to talk about, so much to reflect on, as always, which is, which is great for the sport. Firstly, of course, we can't start by not talking about Liam Smith, Versus Chris Eubank Jr. It was revenge, which I think on the podcast I predicted the Liam Smith points victory. So apologies, Chris Eubank Jr. You uh, you proved a lot of people wrong. I think last yeah, weekend. Yeah, uh, Yep. Box very very well. I mean, you, I think always in boxing, I think people tend to look for the negative rather than the positive. So when. Bud Crawford beat Errol Spence. I think a lot of people talked about the car crash and the impact it had on him and the weight, rather than just how good Terence Crawford was. And I think in this instance as well, people have got their their points about Liam Smith. His team have got their opinions on that and the weight. But I think also Chris Eubank Jr. deserves a lot of credit for his performance and, and how he nullified Liam Smith in that fight. 100%, mate. Totally agree. And also, yeah, I think last week on the pod, I backed to Liam Smith stoppage. So... We're both in the mud on that one, but fair play to Chris. Like you say, make the adjustments he made. Did he? Did Liam Smith win a round? I don't think he did, to be honest. Mm. Fair play to Chris Eubank. I know Liam Smith maybe had one or two issues outside, but actually looking at Chris Eubank's performance, when he needed it most, when his career was arguably on the line, where would he have gone after another defeat? He's pulled it out of the bag. And now, actually, you look at the, the landscape of the middleweight division, it doesn't seem that far-fetched for him to win a world title, to be honest. Well, I think he's proved he's very much still in that echelon. Good Top word. Echelon. Und- underused word. Is that, is that what the podcast, the word of the week? <laughs> echelon. Can't even tell you what it means. <laughs> Sounds good though. But um, no, he's very much proved that he still belongs at that level because Liam Smith's a great fighter and has been on a great run. So can take absolutely nothing away from Chris Eubank Jr. And I think on a slightly biased front, when you think about the landscape, like you say, I think Chris Eubank Jr. wants to fight Conor Ben. Do you think he would rather fight Conor Ben or fight for a world title, in your honest opinion? Oh, that is a good question. I mean, he claims to have won two world, world titles well, for the RBO. Yep. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think... Oh, probably Conor Ben. I think so. It's a really good question. I think, actually, yeah, if you get a chance to speak to him, that, yeah. that should almost be the... What's more important to your legacy, beating Conor Ben, winning a world title? I think he will spin it and say and go on the RBO thing and say he's already chalked Maybe. it off. And we move on to... Some exciting news around one of our fighters, actually two of our fighters, obviously Jai Opatia recently signed in in collaboration with Tasman Fighters, but Jordan Thompson gets his crack at world title. Spent the day with Jordan down Tony Sims' gym yesterday. You just get the feeling that he really fancies this. And we, we spoke a little bit about it last week, about the condition of Opatia coming off the jaw injury in the, in the Bradis fight. But Jordan's a big puncher. And yet I think for the first four or five rounds, this fight's going to be very interesting. Let's be honest, on paper. It's a step up. Yeah, and Jordan, step up. you know, his last two fights probably thinks he underperformed somewhat. Let's be honest. Vasil Dukar, it was another round or two. It could have been could have been curtains for him, to be, to be honest. And then Luke Watkins probably took too many punches. I think he, you know, he, he said that himself. So going into world level, 
is a huge step up. But ultimately, this is what you're in the sport for, right? He'll believe that. Recently announced show of Shaki Foster, Rocky Hernandez. And I think one man who'll have one eye on that fight is Joe Cordina, who we're hopeful to have a very an announcement of very, very soon. But that's a that's an exciting fight and, and a really good fight as well for the zone. Definitely. We obviously won the purse bid for that. So it's great to, to get Rocky home advantage in Cancun. Um, like you say, Cordina will be watching with interest, but very, very difficult, whatever happens. We obviously saw Cordina have the back and forth with Foster on Twitter, which was yeah. quite lively and sort of sets up a narrative. But I think um, Hernandez is, is, you know, an absolute beast. He's got 31 KOs from 33 or 34 yeah, wins, something like that. Cancun, Eddie, if you are listening, get me on the plane, please, mate. Well, we come on to that section of the show once again. It's called Food Fight. For those who haven't listened to the previous three episodes, essentially, we speak to a figure in boxing who talks us through their dream dinner party, but they do have to meet some certain criteria. Before we do talk about that, let me introduce today's guest. It is Frank Smith. No, it's not Frank Smith, sorry. It's Ben Davison. <laughs> ben, you must be sick of that one. Um, well, yeah, I mean, as long as he keeps dropping his weight and keeps running looking after himself and looking well, I don't mind it, but yeah. Not a bad looking lad, is he, Frank? So I don't mind that one. We are uh, deep in training camp, of course, with Lee Wood. Massive fight coming up on, on October 7th. Less than a month to go. By the time we're recording this, it was a month to go yesterday. But how's he looking, Ben? Yeah, good. You know, Lee's uh, a tremendous fighter to work with. Very disciplined, dedicated, um, mentally tough, willing to put himself in situations that a lot of fighters aren't willing to put themselves into. And that's what helps him deliver the performances that he's been delivering as of late. We come on to this part of the podcast, and I've not given you much notice to have a think about this, and I think that's actually part of the fun, to be honest. So essentially, you're building your dream dinner party line-up here. Are you much of a, a chef? Do you like your cooking? Uh, I like eating. <laughs> cooking, not so much. I can't remember the last time I cooked, to be honest. So here we go. Guest number one, right? I know you're a big boxing fan. You're a student at the game. Guest number one is a figure, past or present, from the world of boxing, fighter, trainer, who would you have and why would you want them as a guest to speak to them? I'll go with Mike Tyson. Um, I've always wanted to have a conversation with Mike Tyson, more so because I think he's experienced so much in life. He's an extremely wise figure. I think he'd have to be in the right frame of mind to get that version of Mike. Um, but I actually missed out on an opportunity to go and meet him. We, we Tyson, when I was working with Tyson, he was going over to do Mike's podcast. And I wasn't well at the time. We was going on a private jet, so I, I didn't want to be too close to Tyson. So I, I didn't end up going. I was absolutely gutted. Because if there's one person I could meet in the right, when he's in the right frame of mind, it's, it's Mike Tyson. Because uh, I just think he's such a, such a wise character. And like I say, the experience he's had the highs and the lows. The highest of highs in, in life and the, also the lowest of lows. So I think there's so much that you could learn just about life. Um, from Mike Tyson. What do you think you would ask him if, if you did have five minutes with him? The conversation would start with boxing and I think gradually, the way that Mike Tyson is, I think gradually the conversation would grow and um, where the lot, that, that conversation takes you can vary and, and, and could be anywhere, but I just think any chance to have a conversation with him when he's, like I say, when he's in that frame of mind, there's not much he hasn't experienced in life. so. Yeah, I think it'd be amazing to uh, to meet him, sit down and have a conversation, spend some time with him. As long as no one had a few beers and upset him, I think the table would be going flying across the dining room. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, he's, he's so associated with Iron Mike, so to speak. 
I think there's uh, there's another side to him, and he's like I've said numerous times. I think he's such a wise character. Totally agree. I am Mike Tyson. Is guest number one in Davison's dining room. Guest number two, actor or actress, past or present. Ben Davison, what is your favourite film and why? My favourite. I'm going to go with Denzel Washington, but I wouldn't say it's hard for me to pick a favourite film. But I think he's probably in. If I was to label a top five or top ten, he would probably be a reoccurring factor. And I think that uh, American Gangsters up there, Out of Times up there, Deja Vu is up there. I think he's an unbelievable actor. And uh, he cut from bits that I've seen. I don't know him obviously, but from bits that I've seen, he seems like a really nice. You know, there's a few quotes of Denzel's that I really like when I've seen him um, talking. I think that again, he's a he's a wise character. Seems like a nice guy and. Uh, a lot of life experience to, to be able to share as well. You talk about quotes there. You do strike me, Ben, as, as someone who likes reading those type of quotes and, and relating them to your life and, and trying to learn from them. Do you see, is that why you like reading and, and, and watching as much as you do? And is that also what helps tr- translate into how you study the game of boxing, which perhaps it, perhaps is different to, to some other trainers? Yeah, I've always been a deep thinker. There's nothing in life that someone hasn't already experienced. You know, unfortunately, I actually used to speak speak to Tyson about this. It used to be like, there's not one place in the earth that, that or anything that you can do that people haven't experienced. But he used to say it in a, almost like a frustrating way, like, you know, I'm never the first to do something. Whereas I look at that and I think, well, what a blessing, you know, there's nothing that somebody can't teach us about certain scenarios or certain situations that we find ourselves in. If we didn't expect something, someone's been there already, someone's experienced it already, so you can learn from that. You can you can prepare yourself from somebody else's experience. And I think the smartest people on the planet learn from other people that have been there before, whether it's from their mistakes, whether it's from the things that they did good. For example, when we talk about boxing, how did Floyd Mayweather deal with this situation? How did he deal with this scenario? How did he deal with this type of fighter? We've got the luxury to look back, watch that, oh, he did this, he did that. That's how he dealt with that type of fighter. That's how he dealt with that situation. I, I, I look at life like that, really. There's lots of, lots of things that I might experience or expect to experience, and through watching things, reading. You mentioned Tyson Fury there, and obviously we see Tyson at surface level at press conferences being the showman that he is in the ring being the amazing fighter he is but we sort of get a little glimpse into family life with the likes of the Netflix documentary at home the Furies etc what type of man is he behind the scenes in terms of that philosophical mind that he does have yeah so it's hard for me to say because I you know I haven't I haven't really seen him or spent time with him for 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 a long time but I remember when I first started working with him and spending time around Around him. Funny enough, I was literally just talking about this a minute ago. He was the type of character that you want to spend time with, I, I felt like. To be honest with you, I felt like there was a lot of resemblance in certain areas of our personalities and, and characteristics, etc. And that's why I felt like I could understand him. I could almost judge what he was thinking by the way he come down the stairs, the way he certain, answered certain questions straight away in the morning. And uh, I think that that helped me do the job that I'd done in, in terms of bringing him back. He was... A deep thinker, and one of one of his favourite questions he would ask, and he'd always change his answer was, and it, to be fair to him, he'd ask everybody, everybody that was sat at the table, he'd always say, if you had absolutely nothing, and all of a sudden you won a million pound, or you had a million pound, what would you do with it? Or his other one was, where do you see yourself in five years? And I think that's a great question. I think they're great questions. Where do you see yourself in five years is a great one, because you might ask someone, things can change in life so quickly, one month, two months later, their answer might be different because their expectation in themselves might differ, whether that be better or lower. Yeah, I used to really enjoy those, those types of conversations. 
Where do you see yourself in five years, Ben Davison? Um, I think... On a yacht? A yacht in Ibiza, maybe? No, I always say to the lads, you know, if I won the lottery and I won however much money, I would still be doing this job because I love what I do and I'm lucky to be one of the people that um, get to do what, what I love for a living. So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was actually from my dad and he said to me, if you do something that you enjoy, you'll be good at it and if you're good at it, you'll earn money from it. So that'll take care of itself and I think it's so true. Great stuff. Right, that's two guests done. Denzel, Denzel Washington and I, Mike Tyson. Guest three is a singer or someone from a band what what's on the uh, the Davison playlist usually playlist is crazy varies but varies from day to day the boys bone I might have four songs that I'm listening to and that day four songs are on repeat <laughs> and then a few months later another four songs but uh, I like all sorts of music but I will probably go with Elvis Presley I think I'm gonna go with Elvis Presley what do you think you'd uh, be able to learn from Elvis. He was a character, wasn't he? You know, there's not many people, you know, people still play his music today. People still talk about Elvis now and what a performer he was, what a character he was. You know, that film come out not too long ago. For him to have done it in that era, I think he'd be an amazing character to spend some time around. This final one now is one that can be a bit more personal. It can be a family member. It can be just a figure from history who could be any historical figure who makes up the... Uh, the fourth and final guest for Ben Davison and why do you think? I'm going to go with my dad because one, I know that the people on the table he would love to spend time with as well. I know Mike Tyson, he's always been a huge fan of Mike Tyson. Also because I never really get to spend time with him the same way as I did used to get to spend time with him. Every time I see him now it's business or something that revolves around that or adult life really just to get to, I don't really spend time with him to spend time with him and enjoy his company. And I think that would be a great setting to, to be able to do that. How much do you do what you do as well as just for yourself and for your fighters, but also subconsciously do you think, certainly I do this, but to try and make your dad proud, do you think you can sit here and say he's proud of what you've achieved? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know he's I know he was very, very hard, very hard when I was younger on me, but for the right reasons. I got into it because of my dad, do you know what I mean? And uh, somewhere along the way, things change. Like I said, uh, when you become an adult, that relationship probably does start to change. But it doesn't mean that I wouldn't like that to still have parts of that relationship. Uh, when you become a man yourself, you don't want someone telling you what you, you know, how to live life. You should be doing this, you should be doing that, and telling you off, etc. But you're your own man. In life, life takes over in a sense of work. I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You know, I've got these responsibilities, I've got those responsibilities, and you end up missing out on things you want to do or you should do or things that probably, when it's all said and done, that really mean more, and we probably all know that, but it's hard to see past this whirlwind of things that you've got to do that's ahead of you that you've got to schedule on. I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I'm going to run out of time for this, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't do that. It takes its toll, but yeah, I think it's important that I'm saying that as in, like, I do it, but I make the same mistake, do you know what I mean? I don't make enough effort in other areas of my life sometimes because work life and I love what I do, but sometimes that takes over other areas when really when you have a chance to look back, you think, I wish I, I, spent, I spent more time doing this or I put more time into that. So I think that'd be a great occasion. This, this dinner party, this food fight would be a great, great chance to uh, tick one of those off the list. You've not been a dad for, for too long. Mm -hmm. Is that something you think as, as your little one grows up that you'll have to try and find that balance as well with, with work and, and spending time around the little one as well? Yeah, so funny enough, do you know what it is? I moan about my dad, but two things that I've mentioned here 
have been a key factor there where I said, do something you enjoy, you'll be good at it. If you enjoy it, you'll be good at it. If you're good at it, you'll make money from it. I also was really close to buying a house that deep down I really wanted, but was further away from the gym. And he said to me, take this house. It might not be the house that you want, but that time that you'll spend traveling to the house that you want will be time that you can never get back. Trust me, you'll be happier in this house. At the time, I was thinking, you're wrong. I don't want this house. I want that house. I ended up going with his decision, which was the house closer. And to be honest with you, I'm so grateful that I did because exactly that. I'm a lot closer now. If I do have time in the day, I can pop home. Um, it doesn't take me too long to, to, to get home from here. It's, you know, five minutes. Even if I do have a long day, I can get home quickly, spend more time with uh, my, my daughter now. So yeah, that was another great decision. So for this elite dinner party lineup, Ben Davison hosting Mike Tyson, Denzel Washington, Elvis Presley, and your father. You said you're not much of a chef, so what is it? Fish finger sarnies all round? No, I think we will we will get in. I'd, what I would do, I would save up, save up maybe. I'd save up. I'd save up a bit for this party because there's some guests there, wouldn't there? And I'd probably get a catering company in, or I'd get the wife to cook. <laughs> Sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but we'll let you off for the lineup. Uh, ben Davison, thanks so much for your time. Great to chat. That was Food Fight. Well, Kieran Conway is on the line now. Kieran, great to speak to you. It's been a little while, but it's good to catch up. Just under a month to go now, the time we're recording this, it was a month to go yesterday. Uh, you've just finished fresh in the gym, right? What were you doing, sparring tonight? No, I wasn't sparring tonight. Um, I was just in a normal boxing session, keeping the sharp keeping busy. It's been a busy day to be fair. Had a few training sessions as well. Um, so just going to just finishing off the week. I've got um, a rest day tomorrow. So finished the week nice and strong and um, yeah, cracking on. Well, it's been a while actually since since your last fight. A controlled and convincing display of course in Nottingham. You must be just itching to get back in there though and, and re- find some momentum, especially after the original date with, with Linus fell through. Yeah, exactly that. Um, it has been a long time. It hasn't felt too long because I've been staying in the gym. I've been staying in training camps and doing what I can do with the, when I had to postpone the fight with Linus because of the injury, I still stayed in the gym doing what I can. And it's not felt like it's been that long since I've been in the ring. I'm still fit. I'm fitter than ever. I'm sparring and performing better than ever. So really, it just feels like I've rolled from one camp to another. Um, and it's just been a bit of a longer camp. It does, seem, it. it does seem, Kieran, a little bit that you've locked yourself away for this training camp. Just talk to us about that and, and I guess the reason that you've done that, the pressures you've maybe put on your own shoulders and why you feel that will indeed make us see the best version of Kieran Conway in the ring on October 7th. You know what, you're right. It, it is a bit like I've locked myself away because it has been exactly that. I have locked myself away. I've kept myself away from all the distractions, the media, the, the journalists. This is the first bit of media that I've done for God knows how long. I'm happy with it because I've been focused. Things are, I'm reaping the benefits of doing that. Like I've seen my opponent online a lot, talking rubbish, and uh, he's just losing himself in that sort of thing. So I'm happy that I've stayed focused. I, I look like the more switched on fighter, which I am. Coming out of the shadows a little bit, um, but I'm coming out stronger, better, bigger, rarer and scope. 
You've been uh, involved in some massive nights, Kieran, and, and I think you deserve a lot of credit for always jumping in the deep end, especially in short notice, and always giving a good account of yourself. Reference, of course, the Canelo undercard when you, when you boxed Amo Williams and, and put in a great performance. But Linus Adolfia, back down, I guess, which is no discredit to yourself, but maybe towards British, le- British level, we know this is a title eliminated for that Lonsdale belt. Linus Adolfia as an opponent, how good is he and, and what sort of test are you expecting? Linus is a decent opponent. Um, I'm not overlooking him one bit. This is just another notch on the belt, though. Um, this is a fight that I need. I wanted to be in an entertaining fight. I, there was a fight lined up, basically, that we thought that was going to be um, the next fight. And I knew that that one weren't going to happen. So when I knew that, I instantly mentioned Linus Sophie's name. said, I want an entertaining and exciting fight, one that's going to get the um, eyes on the TV. And... Um, so we went. We went looking for this one. Um, it's exciting for me. He's sharp. He's good fighter. But this is one that um, it's going to be a good win for me. And it's going to be one of them that's going to get me a bit more recognition that uh, for what I deserve. And in terms of how you do it, uh, I'm not going to ask you to pick a round out, but. Like I said, it, do, it does seem like you have the bit between your teeth in this training camp, Kieran, in terms of someone who's got to pay. Sometimes a fighter will tell you it's always going to be their opponent. How, how do you see yourself winning on October 7th next month? Well, it's exactly that. You're getting it right every time. Um, you're speaking for me almost. Um, <laughs> it's, almost like that, it's almost like I'm mates with you. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot <laughs> like I've met you before. This is a fight that's definitely going to be in my favour. I know that. I'm going to be the winner. And I'm not... I'm not making predictions. I just know that I'm going to win. There's nothing else to say about it. I'm not going to be running my mouth um, like my opponent has. I'm going to stay classy and just say that I'm going to be the winner. Well, Kieran, I'm looking forward to seeing this new version. We'll, we'll call it the next stage of your career. Kieran Conway, of course, in action live on Design British title eliminator, a WBA international belt, I believe, on the line as well against Linus Adofia. That one rescheduled from earlier this year. Kieran, we do uh, move on now, though to the business part of this conversation, which is the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz. Now, everyone we get on for this section of the show, I will warn, it is a little bit of a stitch-up. Uh, you're not meant to do very well. Uh, is, is it still something you want to take part on? Yeah, this is a massive stitch-up. I thought I was coming <laughs> on here for a general chat. Well, we've done, we've done that bit. I've, I've lured you in, and now we're going to stitch you up at the end. So. It, it is for charity, so it's, yeah, all, it's, it's all for good. It's all for charity. What oh, I'm going to do, Kieran, right. I'm going to hand over to producer Scott, who's just going to give you a little bit of insight into the rules, and also for the listeners who haven't listened to the previous three episodes of this series, uh, this is the rules of the quiz. Producer Scott, over to you. Well, Kieran, first of all, good to uh, catch up, mate, and good luck here. I think you're going to need it. Uh, essentially, the 12-round eliminated challenge is to identify one of your previous opponents. So think of it as a little bit of a who am I. There's 12 clues. For each passing round, you lose a point. So you start off with 12 points on round number one. And if you want to go to the next round and you get it right, you'd get 11 points, for example. If you get it right in round three, for example, you get 10 points. If you get it right at the end, the 12th and final round, it's one point. So with each round that you pass and go on, you lose a point. Now, you only get one guess, so make sure it counts when you think you know the answer. If you get it wrong at any stage, you are out, you get nil poids. I guess a a bit of a tip, I would say, Jamie, a few of our previous contestants so far have gone into the deep into the sort of championship rounds. The questions are meant to get a little bit easier as we go along, so hopefully they work out in your favour from our um, independent adjudicator, which is uh, done on a random computer. There is one lifeline you get as well, Kieran, so you can call upon a random lifeline at any stage, which may or may not help you. 
Does, it, does this make sense, Kieran? I'll, I'll give you a bit of insight. John Ryder is currently in the lead with how many points, Scott? I think he got seven, I think. Yeah, it could be something right. like that. But John, John's in the lead. But like he said he knew it on the second one, but he, carried he, on. he bided his time a bit more and then he, he went when he definitely knew it. Okay. Round number one. <laughs> I have 165 subscribers on my own YouTube channel. So one of your previous opponents has got 165 subscribers on his YouTube channel. I mean, if you got this right, I'd be very impressed. Next question. <laughs> Next question. I was previously a goalkeeper at semi-professional level. Mm. Next one. Next question. Round number three. My football experience continues working with Millwall as a scout and Tottenham as a coach. Interesting. So this previous opponent of yours has got a, has got a football background. Right. If you got it right next now, question. you get 10 points. Okay, next question. Don't forget you've got a lifeline as well. Round number four. So this will be worth nine points if you get it right. I attended Nottingham Trent University. <laughs> this is incredible. I think Scott... I can barely remember the names of my opponents. So this <laughs> Scott, is Scott wrote his autobiography, I think. <laughs> I'm available for writing if anyone wants. Scott.hamilton at matchroom.com. Round number five. Oh, next. Okay. My favourite fighter is Roy Jones Jr. I watch him and mirror his movement. Ooh. What? You box any Roy Jones-esque fighters, Kieran, in your time? Anyone? No, definitely not. <laughs> I was going to say, anyone you can think of who you may uh, pick a little Roy Jones uh, number out from, but obviously not. Don't forget you got a lifeline. Uh, Next question. Okay. Next question. I was excluded from high school 13 <laughs> times. This is hard. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is made up stuff. No, it's all, it's all true. It's all about, can I have my lifeline, please? You can. Jamie, okay, lifeline? Hang on, hang on. I have to get it delivered by a special owl who flies in the room to drop it off. Hang on. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I've got it. So, Kieran, sometimes the lifeline's good and sometimes it's about as useful as Scott's clues. So, right. here is your lifeline. Let's see if it will help you out. I have a 16.67% knockout ratio. <laughs> um, How can you get excluded 13 times? Right, next round. Speaking of 13, I've had 13 fights as a professional. Okay, that so might be a we're bit getting, of a We're getting clue. down to the, the boxing element. Next question. Okay, I don't know how many of your previous opponents you follow on social media, so this is going to be interesting. This might give you the clue. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll know I have one son who I'm very proud of, who's two years old. This is cracking me Do you follow any of your previous opponents, Kieran? Do you hate them or? I don't think I follow any of them. You're not going to know that question then. Next one. No. no. Okay. We boxed in London. How many times you boxed in London, Kieran, as a pro? If you don't know this, you're back in trouble. Quite a few. I've boxed in London quite a few occasions. How are you for nicknames? If we were to give you his nickname. I don't know. It might give me a better clue. They call me the Punching Preacher. Oh, yeah. I know this one then. Um, Oh, don't um, Derek. Derek Kasazi. Yes. yes. Well done, mate. Well done. Tied with Dempsey. Tied with Dempsey? Yep. Kieran, Is it? Kieran, that's actually not a bad score, mate. I think a lot of people will go early and get the wrong answer. So you're on the scoreboard. If you're in the top three at the end of the series, you are in line for a charity power, my friend. So thank you for taking part. Uh, all seriousness, mate. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for your time. Looking forward to this fight on October 7th. As I say, Kieran Conway versus Linus Adolfia live on the zone, eliminated for that British title and a WBA belt on the line as well. Kieran, best of luck in the rest of training camp. Stay healthy, stay fresh, and uh, we'll see you fight week, mate. Thank you very much. See you soon. Top, Top man. man. Thanks for your time, mate. 
Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. Thanks to our guests, Connor, Ben, Mike Costello, Ellie Scottney, Ben Davison and Kieran Conway. And thanks to producer Scott, who's had a very busy day, replacing me on the interviews at the Matram Media Barbecue ahead of September 30th. How was it, Scott? It was good, mate. I'm now sunburnt and I'm full up from all the burgers and lovely grub that was laid on. Well, it's nice to see you wearing shorts. It's a rare, rare occasion. One and only time. I'll uh, get my North Face and Canada Goose coat back out very shortly. Uh, need to work on the town, though. We'll be back <laughs> next week, at the back end of next week, once again from Matram HQ. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.